upon your servants' miseries. And remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son. Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And no razor will be used on his head. Amen. Let's jump to verse 24. I, I know it's a story we all know, but I just want you to indulge me. Verse 24 to 28, the Bible says that after he was weaned, she took the boy with her, with her, with her, with, with her, young as he was, along with a three. I can hear myself in, a, in something. Can you turn that thing down, please? Young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an effort of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When he had slaughtered the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. And she said to him, As surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here besides you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. We've been talking about covenants. We've been talking about the power of covenants. And today I want us to move the bar a little bit to the power of vows. Somebody say vows. Vows. I said to you that a covenant is a, 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 an agreement between two parties. Usually a covenant is made between two equal parties or between a man and God. Amen. In the Bible, if you read the Bible, there are eight powerful covenants that man made with God. Or God made with man, sorry. And in those, those uh, eight powerful covenants, two of them was, were covenants that were made on the basis of, uh, on a bilateral basis. When I say bilateral, do you understand what it, what it means? Bilateral is the same as like a wedding vow. A wedding covenant is between a man and a woman. The man says that I'm leaving my mother and my father and I'm going to join myself to you to be a wife, to, a husband to you. From this moment forward, I shall love you and uh, forsaking all others, give myself unto thee till death do us part. And then the woman also says that I leave my mother and my father and I join myself to you to be a wife unto you. From this moment forward, we shall be one. I shall forsaken all others. I join myself to you and the two of us becomes one. So it's a bilateral covenant because the man has forsaken and cleaved. The woman has also forsaken and cleaved. Are you with me? So if you look at the Bible, there's only two times that... God made a, a bilateral agreement or a covenant with God. The first one was the most, uh, Adamic covenant, which was the one that God said to Adam that you shall eat of all the fruits. I will give you power. You will be the boss over the earth, the, the, the sky, and, and the water, and under the water. Everything is under your control. The only thing I expect from you is that you shall not eat of this fruit. You remember that? So that was the first bilateral covenant that man had, God had with man. And obviously, we all know that man broke it. 
The second covenant that God had with man, which was a bilateral covenant, was a covenant that God called the Mosaic Covenant, that God made with Israel through Moses. Says that I will be an, a God to you, you shall be a nation, you will not worship any other God, you worship only me, you serve only me, because I'm a jealous God. He gave them ten commandments, follow it. If you diligently hearken, I will bless you and all that. What happened to that covenant? Man broke it again. Apart from these two covenants, God has made covenants with people on six different occasions. And all those covenants that God made were unilateral covenants. That is covenants that God decides. I am the Lord thy God. I am calling you. Come and I will bless you. You know, you remember Abraham. God made a covenant with Abraham. Abraham didn't do much. All Abraham had to do was very little, very minimal. It was God orchestrated. Because it was a unilateral thing. The covenant we have with, from Jesus is a unilateral covenant. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not, pass, shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but that through, the world, that through him the world will be saved. So he decided. The Bible says, that, and God commended his love towards us in that while we're yes sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't do anything for that covenant. Are you getting the, the covenant? So most of the covenants that we have in, in the Bible, six or out of the eight, were unilateral covenants. Two of them were bilateral covenants that man broke. So God decided that from today, I will not make any covenant with man on a bilateral basis because man cannot be trusted. That's why the Bible says that even when you forsake, when you deny yourself, for, forsake me, I cannot forsake you. God cannot deny himself. He cannot be like man. Amen. But a vow is the reverse of a covenant. A vow is where a man in his desperation decides to make a covenant with God. Amen. A vow is, a, is, a, is the opposite of a covenant from God. It is when a man decides that I need to make a covenant with God because I need God to come into my situation in a certain way. Amen. There is a, a lot of a power behind it, this particular vows or vows that man makes with God. It's so powerful and so, so uh, uh, sharp that even demons cannot come interfere when a man decides to make a vow to God. It's one of our secret spiritual weapons that we have as, as Christians. A lot of us do not practice vows. Are you, are you getting it? We don't, because we, maybe because we haven't taken our time to understand the, the, the mystery behind a vow. In this story that we just read, Hannah was barren and uh, each year they went to Shiloh, and when they went to Shiloh, that's where they did a lot of sacrifices of, of animals. And when they sacrificed, the, the, because Penana, who was uh, Hannah's rival, had main, seven children, uh, many children, all the time the, the larger portion of the food was given to her and her children. And the Bible says, and the rival, that's Penana, decided to provoke her sore, that she became so, 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 so upset. 
And each time they went to the house of God to worship, instead of her, she having joy, instead of she being be excited of, for going to the, the house of God, she was always sad and bitter. And she had prayed all the prayer that she could pray. And nothing had changed. She had done everything that she could do. You know, the, the husband at the point was so frustrated that, that the husband said to the Hannah that, am I not worth more than seven children to you? Do I not love you more than I love your rival? Do I not love you more than I love uh, Penina and her children? What more do you want? But how many know that when you have a great need, it doesn't matter what you have. That need becomes more pressing than any blessing that is around you. Sometimes you don't even see the blessings that is around you because the need is so, so great. Hallelujah. And this is exactly what was happening here. So the Bible says that it got to a point, Hannah had to deploy the power in a vow. And this is, what, this is the power that Hannah deployed. Hannah said, in her prayer, when she went to pray with God, she said, I've been praying all this while. I've been fasting. I've been doing everything that I need to do. And it looks like God is not answering. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a vow. Somebody say, I'm going to make a vow. See, when everything else fail, fails, make a vow. You see, God, God respects vows and covenants. Am I talking to somebody? You know, the, the thing about a vow is that a vow is made out of a man's own volition. It is out of a man's own will. It's out of a man's own desire that, listen, I will do this. I will. I want to do it. And you see, when a man decides to do something, nothing can stop the man. Even Satan cannot stop the man. If the man's willpower is deployed. How many know that there are some people when they are even on their deathbed, deathbed and they are waiting for their son or their wife or their husband to come before they die. They can tell death, hold on. I am not dying until my son comes. I'm not dying until my daughter gets here. My daughter is flying in. I'm not dying until they get here. My, my, my wife is coming. I'm, not, I'm going to hold on. How many know what I'm talking about? And they'll hold on until the person comes. When the person comes and they, whatever they have to do, they do it with the person, then they die. How many know what I'm talking about? That is the power of a will that is inside of a man. And it is that will that is deployed to make vows to God. Amen. So a vow is a solemn pledge or a promise earnestly made to perform a specific act or action or tax or to behave in a certain moral upright way because of the need that the man has. Hallelujah. A vow is a serious promise. A person may promise God that he will perform an act or offer a gift, enter into some type of service, or abstain from some things. Hallelujah. Vows are made out of the choice that a man has. Amen. How many know that that's the strongest gift that God gave to man? The power to choose. The power to choose is the strongest gift. Are you, are you with me? That is how, that's how come even God cannot decide for a man whether to serve him or not. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
A man can make his choice. I will serve God from today. God respects that. A man can decide that I will, from today, I will not serve God. God respects that. Because that's the greatest gift God gave to man. The choice to take decisions. Amen. And it is that choice that you use to make vows. Nobody can force you to make a vow. Vows are made by choice, by free will. But when a person chooses to do so, God views that vow as a serious promise. God doesn't joke with vows. So before you make a vow, be sure that you will fulfill the end of your bargain. How many know that this vow that Hannah made was such a serious vow? You are crying for years for a son. And you make a vow that the day I get a son, I will not keep the son. So why did you want a son in the first place? The thing that I'm, I, I'm desiring so much from God, when I get it, I will give it back to you. And God says that I need a prophet. Do you know that at that time God needed a prophet? Because Eli was of old age. And his son, Hophni and Phinehas, were just misbehaving. So there was a need. God had a need. Just as Hannah had a need. So Hannah said to God, I have a need of a child. I know you also have a need of a prophet. Let me come into an agreement with you. That give me the child that, you, that I need. And when you give me the child, I'll also give you the prophet that you need. That's a very powerful vow, isn't it? So the day that Hannah gave birth, the Bible says that she kept the child for only eight days. In those days, the, the, the breastfeeding uh, thing lasted only like about eight days. Circumcision, breastfeeding, and then Hannah went on that day. The, the Bible says, didn't say that Hannah went when it was Shiloh. So it was not a, a year. Are you getting what I'm saying? It was in the middle of, between Shiloh, Shiloh was once a year. Hannah went when it was not Shiloh and said that, you remember I was praying nine months ago. I was praying for this child. This is the child. Here, keep the baby. And Hannah says that I'm going to give this baby for all his life. So for all the life of Samuel, Hannah was absent in her life. And how many know that God blessed Hannah for this vow? And God gave Hannah more children after Samuel. Am I talking to somebody? So whatever the circumstances, when a vow is made, it is automatically binding on the maker of the vow. It's a very powerful spiritual weapon that we have as Christians. What, when we tell God that if he grants us the victory, we shall perform certain acts. Always, God always does and answers. There's a story in, in uh, Joshua. When Joshua came to a certain town, and Joshua was trying very hard to destroy the city, and Joshua couldn't. And he said that the day I we get victory, the first thing that I meet on my way home, the first person, I will sacrifice the person to the Lord. It's Jephthah, isn't it? Jephthah. And when Jephthah had the victory 
and was going home, she met, he met the daughter. And because he had made the vow, he had to honor the vow. Amen. One of the greatest vows that was made, the first and greatest vows that was made was in Genesis 28. From verse, verse um, 18 going, the Bible says that, Then Jacob rose early in the morning. This is Jacob running away from his brother. He had just started life. He didn't know what life had in store for him. The year had begun. He didn't have any clue what was going to become, become of him. He was running. He, he was a runaway. He was running. And he rose up early in the morning and took a stone that he had put on his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on, on the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel because, of the, because but the name of the city had been loosed previously. And Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. Then this and this stone which I have laid as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a tent back to you. Amen. That was a very powerful vow, isn't it? He was traveling. He was a traveler. He was going to a foreign country. He didn't know what to expect. He didn't know whether he would succeed or he would fail. But he said, that, Lord, if you will be with me, and that it will be well with me, and you provide food and shelter for me, and give me safe travel so that I go to my to this uh, uh, journey and come back home safely, then, number one, you'll be my God. And number two, everything that you give me, I will give a tent back to you. And God says that if you will do this, then the God of covenant, how many know that God is a God of covenant? He's a God of covenant. He's a covenant-keeping God. He's a vow-keeping God. God kept this vow. So come with me to uh, chapter 32. Chapter 32, verse 9. So when everything is said and done about the life of Jacob, and he comes back, Bible says that, and Jacob said, Oh God, my father, if the oh God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord said, said who said to me, Return to your country and to your family, and I will deal with you. I am not worthy of the least of all the messes and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with a staff in my hand. And now I have become two companies. I went as a hustler. I went as a, a, what do you call it? A stowaway. I crossed the desert and swam the ocean. Hallelujah. As, a, as one. Now I am I'm coming back home with two companies. When a company is it's like uh, maybe 200 people of caravans, of goods, of camels, of cattle, and everything. So it's like one set of 200 of uh, wife, 
and then servants and cattle. Because in those days, they, have, they were cattle rarest. So your, your worth is determined by the amount of sheep and cattle you have. Are you with me? So one side, 200. The other side, 200. Me alone, I'm crossing with 400 people and thousands of, of cattle, thousands of gold, thousands of silver. How many know that this guy has become very prosperous? And he says that, I remember I made a vow to you. And look at me. You kept me in peace. Even when my uncle tried to sweat me and make me work for years for, for his two daughters, look at what you have done. I crossed with just one staff. How many can, can really imagine crossing? You came to England with just one bag. Just a tiny bag. Now you are going back home and you have companies. More children and more workers working for you. Over 400 people working for you. But that is the power in a vow. Am I talking to somebody? That's the power behind a vow. Amen. Am I talking to somebody? So vows can be made by a person when the person is in a difficult situation. Sometimes, vows are made by parents. How many know that? Parents can make vows on your behalf. Sometimes, grandparents can make a vow on your behalf. I am a product of a vow that somebody made. Uh, Are you getting it? Yeah. Because one day somebody made a vow that one of my children will become a priest. Are you getting it? And after she had had eight children, she thought one of the boys was going to be a priest and it was not that boy. The one that she least thought will become a priest is the one that has become a priest. Hallelujah. So sometimes parents can make vows on on the behalf of their children. And when a parent makes a vow, it is one of the strongest vows that nobody can break. You will need a higher authority, higher than the the father who made a vow to break that vow. (laughs) Am I making sense? So when my mother made that vow, I was not there. But that vow chased me early in my life and caught me. So I'm walking in that vow. Am I making sense? If I want that vow to be broken, I will need somebody who has a higher authority than me and my mother to break that vow. Come with me to Jeremiah 35. There's a little story I want us to look at, Jeremiah 35. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord in those days to Joachim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Go to the house of the Rechabites, speak to them, and bring them into the house of the Lord, into their chambers, and give them some wine to drink. Then I took Jezaniah, and the, the son of Jeremiah, and the Habazania, I like this name, Habazania, his, his brothers, and all his sons, and the whole house of Rechabites, and I brought them into the house of the Lord, into the chambers, the chamber of the sons of Hannah and the sons of Igdalia, the son, the man of God, who was 
by the, I think it's a good name. We'll call Michael Igdalia, the man of God. Which was, remind me that his name is Igdalia from today. Which was by the chambers of the princes above, don't come and have a meeting with me. Above the chambers of, the names are too, too great. Verse 5. Then I set before the sons of the house of the Rechabites bowls of wine and cups, and I said, drink wine. But they said, we will, not, we will drink no wine. Remember, it's God that has instructed the prophet to tell them to drink wine. Are you, are you with me? And they said, we will drink no wine. In wine, you know your sons forever. No, we will drink no wine. For Jonadab, our the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, you will drink no wine. You know your sons forever. Remember, a, a vow made by a higher authority is bound on the sons. Are you with me? So the father made a vow to God that my children will never drink wine. And now they've come to the temple, and the priest is trying to instruct them that the Lord says that they should drink. The prophecy is that the Lord says they should drink wine. He says, no, my father, our fathers told us we cannot drink wine. And he, he also said that you shall not build a house, sow seeds, plant a vineyard, or have any of these. But all your, all, all your days you shall dwell in tents. You may live many days in the land where you are sojourners. Thus, they, they have obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, in all that he charged us to drink no wine all our days, we, our wives and our sons and our daughters, nor build ourselves houses to dwell in, nor do any, do we have any vineyard, fields or seats, but we have dwelt in tent and have obeyed and done according to all that Jonadab, our father, commanded us. Look at verse 16. Now God says that if these guys can obey their father, their mortal father who has died long time. Because he gave them a vow, that I made a vow that none of you will drink. So don't drink. And he says that if God, God was saying that if a man can do this and they obey, how much me, God, I've told you Israel not to do some things and you're doing it. So God said that surely the sons of Rechabai, or of sons of Jonadab, the, the son of Rechab, has performed the commandment of their father, which he commanded them. But the people have not obeyed me. So God is jealous. Thus says the Lord God of hosts, the Lord God of hosts, the, the God of Israel, behold, I will bring on Judah and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the doom which I have pronounced against them, because I have spoken to them, but they have not heard. I have called them, but they have not answered. And Jeremiah said to the house of Rechab, the Rechabites, that that says the Lord God of hosts, because you have obeyed the commandments of Jonadab, your father, and kept all the precepts and done according to all that he has commanded you. Therefore, that says the Lord, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechabites, shall lack no man to stand before me forever. Hallelujah. Because you guys have obeyed the vow, God is provoked that he will make sure that there is a man of God that stands in the house 
of God in his presence from that family, from that lineage because of the vow. Vows are very powerful. Hallelujah. I say vows are very powerful. How many know that the secret strength of, of Samson was found in a vow? When Delilah asked Samson, show me the secret to your strength, what did Samson say? That I have been a, Nazari a Nazarite or Nazarene from the day, from my mother's womb. No razor has touched my, my hair. And the day that I will, my hair will be shaved off, that is the day that I will lose all my power. Which meant that the secret source of his power was a vow that his parents made on his behalf. That they will make sure that no razor touches his hair. So the day that his, the razor came upon his hair was the day he lost his power. Amen. In the same way, the day you make a vow, that's the day that your power will be enhanced. Am I talking to somebody? So let me go quickly. My time is up. Let me look at four, five secrets, five little, five secrets that we must know about vows. Five little secrets we must know, or six secrets we must know about a vow. Number one, a vow is one of the ancient laws of to prosperity. One of the ancient laws of prosperity is hidden inside a vow. If you want to make money, if you want to become rich, if you want to be prosperous, the quickest way is to make a vow. Amen. In Numbers chapter 30 verse 2, the Bible says, if a man makes a vow to the Lord and swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all the priests all that proceeds out of his mouth. Amen. He shall do it because God respects and honors a vow. It is a secret to your prosperity. Number two, vows authorizes God to move in your life, to move on your behalf. A vow is like an author authorization that you are giving to God that from today I want you to move in my life. Amen. Amen. How many know that if you are able to connect with, who is the richest man in the world now? Who? Tesla. Someone says Tesla. He's taking over from, from Amazon. Okay. So can you imagine if somebody is able to go to him and say that from today, I want you to adopt me. And the person, that Tesla guy agrees to adopt the person. How many know that that, that person, all his poverty has ended? How, how many will agree with what I'm saying? The day you align yourself with Tesla, that is the day all your poverty finishes. Because as soon as you align yourself, he has to take care of his own. You are his own, so he takes care of, of you. If a mere mortal can do this for a human being, how much God? So the day you say that from today, I give you permission to come into my life and organize anything you want. Do it. That is the day you align yourself to God's power. Amen. In Psalm 50, verse 14 and 15, the Bible says, Offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you and show you shall glorify me. Amen. When he authorized God to move in your life, he has no 
option, but to make sure that he delivers you, he, to make sure that it is well with you, to make sure that there's peace around you. Amen. A vow removes demonic powers, demonic powers over you. When a vow is made, every demonic power is broken. You know, the story that we read in 1 Samuel uh, 1, look at verse 11. The Bible says, and she made the vow that, O Lord of hosts, if you will, be, you will indeed look upon the afflictions of your handmaid and remember me and not forget not thine handmaid, but will give, me, give unto me a, a, a man child, then I will give him to you all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. And the Bible said, from that day, Penina ceased to mock her. Because there was no, need, there was no reason to, to, to mock her anymore. Why? Because that loophole that the rival had to laugh at her, that loophole that the rival had to, to oppress her was taken away because she had a baby. Am I talking to somebody? So a vow can break the demonic power, demonic hold over your life. Number four, a vow can cause you to prosper. We know this famous scripture in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 to 12. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me in this, says the Lord, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, so much so that there will not be room for you to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And you will not destroy your fruit. He will not destroy your fruit the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit in its field. And all the nations shall call you blessed, for the Lord would be, you will become a delightful land, says the Lord. Hallelujah. So it's not only is he making you prosperous, he's protecting you and he's making you an envy of everybody just because you made a vow. Am I talking to somebody? Listen, can I challenge you that this year, Make a vow to the Lord. Make a strong vow. And make sure that you, you, you honor that vow. And I guarantee you that God will come in strong on your behalf. Am I talking to somebody? Number, what number are we on? Number five. Pastor Sam is saying number three. A vow will touch God and release blessings unto you. Anytime you make a vow, it touches God and it releases a blessing unto you. Deuteronomy chapter 28 says that this shall come upon you if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all the commandments which I have commanded you today that the Lord will set you high above all the nations and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord. You shall be blessed in the city. You shall be blessed in the country. The, the, the blessings go on from this verse all the way to uh, verse, verse 12, 13. Amen. A lot of blessings. That comes because you, you make a vow that I'm going to vow. You know, somebody can make a vow that for, I will never miss church on Sunday. God will make sure that because of that vow, you'll never be sick. Because you have to be in church on Sunday. How can you be in church when you're on the bed? How many know what I'm talking about? So God is bound by the vow to say that I will keep you healthy. 
Number, seven, number six, a vow is a spiritual sacrifice. A vow is a spiritual sacrifice. A vow will cost you something. Amen. So Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 4 says that whatever you do, be sure to fulfill your vow. For God, for God's word tells us, when you vow a vow unto the Lord, defer not to pay it. For God has no pleasure in fools. Pay that which you have vowed. Amen. God has no pleasure in fools. So make sure that when you vow, you pay the vow. 2 Corinthians, I end with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 7 to 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 7 to 10. He says, so let each one of, each one as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly, nor of necessity, or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, and that you are always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad and he has given to the poor and the righteousness endures forever. Now he may, now may he who supplies seeds to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seeds you have sown and increase the fruit of righteousness. The secret to your vow the secret to your vow is, 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 is your free will. Not grudgingly, but freely. Freely make a vow to the Lord. All of us in this room, all of us listening to me, we all have needs. Amen. And one of the surest ways of having our needs met is to make a vow to the Lord. And when you make it, the Bible says, don't be a fool. Make sure that the vow you are making, you are going to keep it. No, Jacob said that anything that you do for me, I'll make sure. And how many know that Jacob kept his vow? Hannah, on the, te- on the eighth day, she was in a hurry to bring the baby. If it were some of us, we would have kept the baby for at least four years. We would have kept the baby. Like, listen, let, you let me at least take the baby to the nursery. Let all my enemies see that I have given birth to a baby before I bring the baby back to the church. Not so with Hannah. She says, I have a deal. I said, as soon as I have the baby, I'll give it back, the baby back to you. So I had the baby, gave it. So God honored Hannah and gave her more children. Amen. Or oh, I say amen. So we have the opportunity in, um, on Sunday to come to the Lord's house with our vows. Amen. On Sunday is our Shiloh service. So I don't know what you are believing God for this year. I don't know what you are expecting to happen in your life. But I want you to come with a vow. Come with a vow that, Lord, I want to make a vow. And be determined that this vow that you make to God, with God, you will not break it. And I can guarantee you, as, as sure as the word of God is true, God will honor his side of the bargain if only you will honor yourself.